Hey, everybody, it's goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 104. Hey, folks, we're back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans. Once again, our producer Spencer is slacking on the job here and leaving us old guys to do all the technical stuff that we should know how to do well by this point, but we don't. Well, and as I was joking with Jeff before, and we're going to get to our guest. How's, how's my mic sound? Is that sound good to you? Yeah, it sounds fine. Um, it's a little close again, to your mouth. You're a little wild with the with the microphone, I man. I know, make you work. Yeah, that, I gotta I gotta mouth. ride these Sorry. levels Just all the time. Please over here. give me uh, tell me exactly where you. One want. day we're gonna have those uh, st- those. Things you know the, the, things. the microphone tree yeah. that comes out like you know little makes it triangle stand with the mics where you know yeah yeah where it's like yeah because yeah, 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 everything's things. perfectly in place totally right exactly but I was I was telling we're just a tiny bit of housekeeping because folks people get mad when we don't introduce our guest right away <laughs> but I'm just gonna not do that right I'm, 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 I'm here I'm gonna I'm just gonna say that like. The reason I'm struggling with this whole technology thing is because I don't trust our producer, Spencer, with my good laptop. So I always bring him the laptop that's like eight years old and sucks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just not familiar anymore with using its buttons and whatnot, you know? So you're, so, little, you're a little slow on the draw. I'm a little slow on the draw, man. And it's like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I can't get, I, when I get home, I'm just, all I'm going to do is like play around on my familiar laptop just to make myself feel more confident you know does that laptop life. even belong to you the other one no it's a work, it does it's a work thing so you don't trust spencer with a laptop that doesn't even belong to you right because it, it's, i think it's like responsible to not give your work laptop to the kid who like no, that's vapes a good point. throughout the show that's a good point to a point <laughs> of like you know i mean he's a great producer obviously if he was here this whole beginning would have been better <laughs> but and more smoothly i guess but i don't see how it could be really yeah it was pretty pretty smooth <laughs> who's that jeff ian mcnulty is joining us ladies and gentlemen uh for those of you who don't know ian mcnulty uh, is a radio personality who has a show called where you eat yes. uh right um, is it okay to call it a show or is it it's more oh, like it's a, a show it's a show it's definitely a it's show it's definitely yeah, a show it's, it's yeah, just right. me right talking but uh you know it's talking about food so it's a show local food critic and writer for the advocate as well and uh we're really grateful to have you here on the show seriously appreciate it and and it should be said that this uh engagement was born out of us talking at Rodney's barbecue, and then we got our agents involved, and they took yeah, it from that's there. right. They took it from there, I mean, right? Exactly. Out. But that was the initial meet. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's right. right. Exactly. <laughs> Your people talk to our people, <laughs> and that's how, and that's how we worked it out. Um, I, have, I have so many people. I have so many people. So you know, uh, just I'll just start off by saying this: that right before uh, we rolled just now. We were talking about one of these little kind of dive eateries that's on Broad Street here. And one of the things that I appreciate about your writing is that you regularly visit establishments that I think that many traditional food writers would shun in the past. And you have brought that culture and that cuisine to the table in a way that uh, no food writer that I can remember in my long history 
of being raised and living in this city um, has done and uh, find that refreshing and really something that has been overdue for a long time in the city. Jeff, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm, I, I just try to take the tack that I'm covering the food life of New Orleans. And the food life of New Orleans, it it's, can be high-end, it can be down-home, it can be you know, these little joints on the corner. It can be the celebrated places. Sure. It's all part of the story, right? And, you know, real live New Orleans people do a lot of like, I just got to get some lunch and I've got not a lot of time and not a lot of scratch either. But the great thing is that if you get down to it, if you pick the right place, that can still be a pleasurable lunch. I mean, even the food, but also the places that you go to, the people that you see there, the bit of the neighborhood that you soak up when you go into these places. Uh, you know, we talk about New Orleans food in lots of ways, and it's not just all the greatest hits and uh, and the famous stuff. I mean, it's New Orleans food is this thing that people take around with them. It's the conversations that they have. It's the family yeah. connections that they have back to it. So the place we were talk- talking about was, uh, if I can mention the name, is Triangle Deli. Please, yeah. yeah. And, uh, on uh, St. Bernard Avenue there. It's, it's a gas station up front. Uh, you know, this dude's standing like two feet over you at the cash register, keeping right. an eye on everything. Yeah, that's right. And then in the back, there's like just this, this long steam table of New Orleans stuff. Bell peppers with beef and shrimp in there. You know, macaroni and cheese that could stop traffic, never mind your arteries. I mean, it, it's sure. all kinds of good stuff like that. And it's... You know, this is not microwaving taquitos in the Seven Eleven and getting back on the freeway. It's um, yeah, it's you know, like a, some New Orleans. There's some New Orleans flavor in there. It's a styrofoam container that's like <laughs> mustard greens uh, and macaroni and cheese and your protein. Well, to tell you a quick story, when I first got here many years ago, I wandered into some gas station. I was just trying to find directions or something, and this dude uh, was holding a like a, a, a foam carton with a pork chop and there were beans all over it and greens. And I was like, what is that? That's the kind of Southern food I heard about. Yeah. You know, I want right. to yeah. find some of that. That's right. And the stuff I was eating was like jambalaya special that some restaurant was advertising. Cause I thought that's what you're supposed to eat. Right. Um, but yeah, that's it, so it, that was like one of the first things that planted the seed of like, Oh, but there's really good food everywhere in this town. I mean, just, just find it. Yeah, yeah, Joel. Uh, uh, tell Ian about the fried ribs, man. Ooh, the fried ribs. Yes, from William Peck. Yes, friend of the podcast. Yes, <laughs> who didn't make the shirt? Unfortunately, I don't think we have to make, rectify that before the oh, t-shirts go to print. It. Yeah, maybe so. But maybe you did. Right. Anyway, uh, friend of the podcast, William Peck, uh, formerly incarcerated, incarcerated citizen, um, who spent like twenty years in Angola, learned how to do fried uh, ribs when he was in prison. And we haven't had him, so I can't talk about the actual product yet. But he, you know, the, it's a whole corner store thing, is what you're talking. You know, like it's, it's street food. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, you know, picture your New Orleans day. You, you had plans to do something. Your plans went sideways. You still need to get lunch. You pull in somewhere in this great city of ours. That somewhere might be one of these little delis where. Again, you're not getting just a subway. It could be anywhere a wrap or something. There's nothing more depressing than a wrap, right? Like, right. You know, oh yeah. Just anything yeah. that's called a wrap is just that's like right. we give up. We don't. We don't. We're not. It's not even a sandwich. We just put this in a tortilla with some Caesar dressing on it. We're hoping you're going right. to go for it, right? Yeah. So you're not getting that. You're, but you could get a styrofoam cup 
of like a quart size filled with gumbo. Just think about that for a second. A styrofoam yeah. cup filled with roux and rice, at least two different types of sausages, usually at a good place. Crab claws you, you can't go. even eat. They're just in there for seasoning. Uh, right. Shrimp, yeah. little tiny shrimp that you, they would never catch anywhere. The distance are sort of harvested somewhere. Like, you know, it looks like something that whales eat, but it adds like right. this interesting <laughs> yeah. briny dark flavor. <laughs> That's to right. It. Yeah. And you're, you know, a Vietnamese lady is is ladling this out of a tureen into a cup <laughs> with a lid on it that you just put in your car. You can put it in your cup holder. You can, I mean, that is, that is something that like all across the Midwest, people would like, that would be illegal in some town. Yeah, you know, sure, of course. <laughs> right, right, it would just right. be too much flavor, too right. much. You there's no way you can take that and walk with it. Uh, but I love that. I love that about New Orleans. That there's, uh, you know, believe me, I cover the high end too. But sure, but that that everybody eats that kind of food. You know, people That's who right. can afford to eat out hundred dollar meals every night, uh, they're out there. I've seen them. I've seen them in the wild. They're interesting folks. They, they are out there. Uh, but even people who could do that still like to get a good down home gumbo they still like to get a good po' boy they still like a place that puts this hot sausage stacked just right with melted american cheese over it yeah, has to be american right. cheese. that's right yeah, it has yeah. to be american cheese <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah so yeah, i mean that's, that's that's one of the things i love about well, covering new orleans food because you get to talk to people about stuff like that and sometimes it comes up in the weirdest situations right i mean you, you could be at at some event where people are actually dressed up or it could be somebody's wedding or something and and, and what do people want to talk about they start talking about food and sometimes it comes down to like well, where do you live oh have you been to that little joint around the corner right. oh my god that place is awesome but don't go after dark <laughs> you know it could be places like that and, I, and i'll tell you what the reason why i bring up the uh fried rib story is because being here so long you think that you've heard it all it's like kind of like the architecture in the city where you you know we go out on the second line right right and and we'll walk around it's like i've never seen that house before that's as right. long as i've been around and suddenly we have somebody here and he's speaking about this thing that i've never heard of and it's so normal to him and he's like yeah fried ribs what are you talking about yeah yeah we do that uh yeah and and so anyway i've been i've had a yen for that to to try that yeah. ever since and i'll put another pin on it too is when uh when uh, michael vesicchio was uh talking about the 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 rib sandwich that's right that one of the barbecue uh uh trailers has on the second line mm. and he was searching and searching <laughs> and searching for the one guy that had the rib sandwich because he was just and this is a guy to your point who works at high-end restaurants that's and has right. in the past and he's like he's like out of he's an accomplished chef he's a co- an accomplished chef and he's he's like i've got a I gotta find the rib sandwich. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, fascinating. And I mean, that's one of the great things about talking food in New Orleans too, is because it's it's not, you know, it's not like you're talking about something that requires uh, an advanced degree to comprehend or to to pursue, right? You're, when you talk about food, you're talking about something that not only does everybody have an opinion on. Of course, everybody has an opinion on it, but they probably have a track record with it, right? I mean, like most people in New Orleans, you know, they give this stuff a try. That they They've eaten it. They've explored things. They've tried to cook it themselves. Uh, that's why it's such a fascinating, interactive topic. Because you're, you're, you know, I, I get to write about it, but I'm no more of an authority or an expert on it than people who just do it as their passion or to feed their family or as, you know, as their business at a restaurant or just as their their pursuit as somebody who wants to fill that lunch or that lunch break or that dinner with with pleasure and with a sense of like that was worthwhile you know mm-hmm. it's something that everybody can pursue 
in a way that uh, I haven't found another subject that quite corresponds with it. I, I compare writing about food in this town a lot to writing about sports, the Saints specifically, of course. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, it just uh, it touches so many people. Everyone's so eager to talk about it. But, you know, you're not going to clean up and go out there and experience that, right? I mean, you're, you're always watching. You're always a spectator. With New Orleans food, you're not just a spectator. You're and, and some a participator. Of the, yeah, you're, you're a participant. A, I mean, yeah. you're, you're a customer in some accounts. Yeah. But are you also, the great New Orleans food, the dishes that we talk about as being iconic and that people come down here or the visitors they want to eat, it's the food that people cook at home. I mean, when I go to my in-laws' house, yeah, we're having sure. dishes that like yeah. the gumbo, the, the the crawfish bisque, the jambalaya. I mean, uh, the, the crawfish of, bisque, yeah. The standard yeah. of comparison is not just high; it's extremely intimate, right? I mean, it, it it, is. this is not something you 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 learned about in school and you watch other people do. This is something you grew up with, and like maybe you do yourself, and you know that's uh, that's what makes it so interesting, right? I mean, yeah. everyone's got this informed and passionate opinion about it, and. And they're not wrong, you know. Even even when they diverge from what I think might be good, or you know, they're they're not to say there's not standards. There are standards, but people people can you know. Who knew that the fried rib thing? It, it probably has this this not just your one dude, but you know, a cult of devotees who I'm who sure. just know that as their thing. Right? Yeah, totally. I'm yeah. sure. Well, if if you heard him tell it, um, he was like he was it his brother or somebody that he knew was like making. You know, making waves with this whole thing, with the fried rib thing, yeah, and that yeah, it's yeah. going to be in, and you know, and it, it was, was cousin, it was, yeah. it was really couched in a way that it was like we're trying to penetrate the market of three or four corner stores. Uh -huh. That's right. Like this was the goal. Like uh -huh. yeah, we're going to have about four of them that are going to have the fried ribs. That's right. You know? Yep. And it's going to make waves, <laughs> you know. So I mean, I mean, I mean, there's that kind of stuff. And goes that's on. the market you're trying to penetrate. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. That's where he's. That's where he's trying to go. Whereas, that's like, right. I watched that uh, documentary on Netflix. Uh, not documentary. That film um, called Founder about McDonald's. Oh yes. Did you guys see this? Show? Oh yeah, with Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah. kind of brilliant movie. It was of. really good. And just the opposite. <laughs> yeah. You know, in terms <laughs> right. of quality and market sure. penetration, sure. Like, sure. You know, goals and initiatives or whatever. Here it's like if I can get to that one place over on Saint Claude, I'm good. Yeah, right, exactly. I'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, it can be like that, that's for sure. That's another interesting thing about it, too. Mm. It, it, food is so high profile in New Orleans, and the restaurant names and the chef names can become quite acclaimed, right? And, you know, it, it is. People can make a lot of money in the, in the business in, in certain areas. But a lot of it, you know, even the, the more I spend time learning from chefs and learning about their business and talking about what they do and why they do it, um, you know, it's a, it's a business that you have to love in order to put all that energy and risk into making it happen. I mean, I mm. think there's, I think, uh, I think restaurateurs and chefs have a lot of pride in having their own place and doing their own thing sure. and running it in New Orleans, especially. Uh, but boy, you better love it because there's, you see the hours that people put into it and, you know, we're not talking about big chains or restaurant groups or exactly. you know there's yeah. there's guys out there who you think are pretty successful you've seen them on TV you've seen them on national TV you see them on cooking shows and competitions and they you know the documentary crews have been into their kitchens and like they're you know they're just hoping the gasket doesn't go out on their their 20 year old truck so that they can oh, <laughs> get yeah. back in yeah. you know I mean, yeah, it, sure. it's, people are, are, are putting a lot into it it's that's that's another thing about uh, about yeah you know about the scene here it's uh, there's a lot of people in it, you know, uh, and a lot of people love it. And there's there's room for more, right? You know, there's always new stuff coming along. 
but it's um, it's tight, and the, and the people who really are committed to it, they're doing it because they probably uh, wouldn't feel sane doing anything else. Yeah, that I think sense. that's true. You don't see a lot of people right. leave, leave the business as hard as it is, as challenging as it's going to be, and decide, well, that was a good run, but I think I can make six figures doing this over here. You just don't see it very no, often. you don't. Right, right. right. I'm yeah. going to be a CPA now. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, the risk that chefs take that to me is compelling yeah well you know from 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 what i what i do especially for the newspaper you see restaurants start up people are very interested in them uh you know there's a lot of especially the the online media now there's a lot of anticipation about the next new thing and the yeah. new, next hot thing and whatever and they get terribly hyped uh and in a, in a way that that they just didn't a few years ago and it's uh it does put a lot of pressure on them to 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 have this glorious debut, and boy, there's a lot riding on that, right? Like the, uh, some a business plan that may be years in the making. You know, the physical build out can be months and months and months. And then you think about the things that you love about a restaurant that you've been into. You know, there it's this environment, it's textured, it's nuanced, there's a staff that clicks, and all that stuff doesn't exist when you when somebody first signs a lease on a place and right. and moves in and you know discovers all the problems with the kitchen and everything else. So it's amazing how hands-on people in the the restaurant and the food business in general have to be uh, for 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 as glamorous as the the documentaries and the Netflix series and the the everything else makes it. Uh, most of the people who are who are making their living in the business, um, they get their sleeves rolled up. Uh, they're changing shirts a few times a day, and <laughs> when it gets really bad in the middle of the summer, they're probably changing their pants a few times a day too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a gritty uh, kind of enterprise. You know, I mean, if you really, the, the documentary crews do a good job of. Uh, Taking out a lot, all of the flaws. They sure do. Yeah, focusing on the front of house. Can I just say something? Just uh, complete. Uh, can I just say gold bond, everybody? <laughs> yeah, gold bond. It's Summer your is coming. It's our sponsor of the week. Cornstarch, Corn you know, is the, yeah. the big one. Yeah, these are exactly. New Orleans strategies for New Orleans living. Oh my God, I learned that man at Lost Love Lounge, man, early on. Mm. You know, because just moving around all the time. And stuff. I was. I was like, oh, I had the rash, man. I got the rash, man. <laughs> Several times. Sorry. That's what we're talking about. And you know what, mm-hmm. Ian? You're new to the podcast. This is our live read of the week for our sponsor, Gold Bond. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> just found it. This is how we do our live reads. Everybody who want to underwrite our podcast moving forward. <laughs> This is how we do it. <laughs> how are we doing with your brand? That's is it right. safe in our hands? Yes. Ian, how did you uh, wind up coming to New Orleans, and uh, what, what brought you here in the first place? Uh, well, you know, I was I was living back home where I'd grown up in Rhode Island, which, for your listeners who don't know, is on the North Shore. It's about 1,300 miles north of Mandeville, but still. It's, uh, you know, it's geographically north of New Orleans, so it's on the other side of the lake. Uh, I was 25 years old and uh, having a good time. Rhode Island is a cool place. I mean, it, it's uh, I loved growing up there. It has an interesting culture. It's beautiful. Uh, but I was 25, you know. I'd, I'd, I'd gone out of town for, for college. And in Providence just, or outside of Providence? Yeah, I went to school in Rutgers in New Jersey. Mm. And then, you know, came back afterwards. And I mean, basically, it was just that 25-year-old quarter-life crisis wanderlust kind of feeling, yeah. you know, like... 
Well, who cares if I go off and do something crazy for a year and come back? I mean, I'm not like, you know, not throwing away very much here. <laughs> so, right. you know, it just seemed like a good time to, to try something like that. And I had a half a notion to run away to Europe and be romantic, and, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't really have quite the, uh, quite the nads for that. But I figured New Orleans. Okay, that's looks sort of like Europe, right? Especially compared to Rhode Island. And if everything really, really goes wrong, I can I can take a bus back home. You know, I won't, right. <laughs> won't have to be on the streets trying to trying to scrape together uh, uh, money to go visit the consulate or something. You know? Right. <laughs> like, you right. Know, okay, yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll be safe enough to get back home. So I had very low expectations for this trip, obviously. But uh, no, I moved down when I was 25. It was 1999. Tail end of the summer, and I didn't have a job at the time. I certainly I was not covering food at all. I was working for a small newspaper back in Rhode Island, covering everything in the small town. Uh-huh. And um, when I got here, I got a job uh, right off the bat, very much to my surprise, working for City Business newspaper, covering such, right, right, uh, where a lot of people get their start yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah, you get to cover these enthralling topics, not food, but banking, insurance, oh yeah, administration. thrilling, yeah. thrilling. Yeah. Oh boy, people just they they want you just. <laughs> You think you think talking about food is great? What do you take, talk about non-performing assets in the banking culture? <laughs> Whew, boy, yeah, I had to fight away the dates after. Uh, <laughs> Not true. Uh, so, but I, I went on the side. I picked up a job uh, writing about food for Offbeat magazine. Uh, okay, and here for a couple years right. now, and I have this trying to get to the bottom of this food thing, right? I mean, I'd seen some evidence of awesome New Orleans food, but I was very green. I didn't really know where to go. So I was obsessed with like, okay, everyone who talks about New Orleans food, where do I actually find it? Where do I find this good stuff that people are talking about? And, uh, you know, I made friends in the newspaper. They're telling me their favorite places. Oh, you got to go to Parasols, the roast beef. And, you know, people take you under their wing. Totally. Like, you'd say right. you've never had a roast beef po'boy before. People are like... <laughs> Okay, this is our chance. Let's mold him. You know, right. <laughs> that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know the beautiful pairing of the barks and the bro- oh, okay, Come on, come on. So, it's actually a very exciting time looking back on it. But uh, I, uh, I managed to pick up this monthly gig writing about food, and it was not like today. You know, it wasn't like oh, covering restaurant openings and stuff. It was like once a month, find some topic about New Orleans food and and write about it. And yeah, you know, it and it was actually a really good place for me to learn some of the some of the the groundwork you know and to meet mm-hmm. people and get to know people and it was always a side gig it was a freelance gig that i had on the side while i was doing other um you know far less interesting Bank- things really banking. Me, but yeah, yeah banking yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and uh and then you know i'd been here for a few years at that point and uh you know i changed jobs a couple times but i, I still kept on doing this freelance uh freelance columns on the side and then Katrina hits, and right. I've been here for six years now. I'm living in Mid City. Everything's just destroyed, and I just thought, okay, well, this is either leave, go back home. That was a good run. That was bore. Let's stick around and see what happens here, you know. And it was a, you know, looking back on it, sort of a very, very um, self-indulgent but easy decision to make. I was single, didn't have kids, didn't have to worry about the schools. Still had my job, actually, you know. So. I, I figured, it, man, if I if I can't come back to New Orleans right now, after all, you know, with, with everything I've got going for me and as little that's riding on me, who could? Right. right? So, right. And I want, yeah. as a journalist, as a writer, um, you know, as, as horrible of time as I was, it was very clear it was going to be incredibly interesting, no matter what happened. Sure. 
And uh, so I made the decision I was going to come back as soon as I could. And Gambit Magazine uh, Weekly, uh, just they just got started back up again. Of course, you know, everything had to restart at some point, right? Sure. And, uh, they get started before Offbeat. And so I started talking to them. Like, Look, we'll cover food for us. Here, you have a weekly column now, not a monthly one. And so at that point, I was totally freelance and writing about food every week and writing about food in New Orleans from basically the ground zero of post-Katrina. Like, we didn't do reviews for a long time. I mean, it, it was just every week writing about the the clawing back of the food culture, of the restaurant scene, the cooks, where are the sure. oyster shuckers? Will the soul food places ever come back? What are these new people thinking? Open up these restaurants a few months out. Sure. Uh, what's the future of the oyster reefs? You know, I mean, it was right. It was right. fascinating and formational time, and you saw new restaurant tours coming up, mm. and you saw mostly. I mean, it took a little while to, to look back on it and see it, but what you're seeing was. New Orleans people doubling down on their own culture, food being a huge part of that. Um, not that people didn't appreciate it before uh, Katrina hit, but after that, it was very apparent that like this does not exist anywhere else. We almost lost it. We better value it and treasure it. And I think that that was that was a spark for a lot of uh, a resurgence and reinterpretation of regional New Orleans stuff that started happening years down the line. Um, but it was, you know, it, it, that was that was a time when all of New Orleans culture was up for, well, is this going to restart? Do, right. do we care enough to make this happen? We have to do it. I mean, talk about a gritty business, right? I mean, people had to get in there and actually do that and get everything going again. So for me as a journalist, as a writer, as somebody who cares about New Orleans, it was an incredibly painful time, but also a very rewarding and educational time. That's when I really felt like, instead of just being a guy who was from Rhode Island who came down here and like, and yeah. has a lot of fun and gets to write about some food on the side, that's when I d discovered that like, oh, I could actually, this could actually be my home and one of my jobs is gonna be covering uh, how this portion of what people love about it, uh, how it unfolds. Yeah, that, that time was so interesting because it was like, is the rebirth going to play on Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like, when's that going to happen next? Yeah. First. Well, like, there were so was, many firsts. Those right? type of firsts. Yeah. And just in the restaurant realm, in the bar realm, too, right? You got to see, like, these places that have been around for generations, sometimes a century, reopen. And it was their first night again. And, you know, sometimes that was happening... Bang, 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 left and right as, as places started getting electricity and then, back open again. Something took a year yeah. more. And yeah, there were, it seems like there were restaurants. Egg Yolk Jubilee yeah. was the sixth band to play in New Orleans. <laughs> it's, good so plan. it's a documented it's good plan. Uh, historical fact. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it going we to were number right. six. Right? Number six. Yeah. Saved New Orleans, maybe? Do you think Egg Yolk Jubilee saved New Orleans? I think that we contributed to, to the yeah, salvation of New Orleans. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely did some... Uh, you probably played at a Bank Street Bar by Candlelight a time or two. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. before the storm. Well, yeah, Bank, Bank, Bank Street Bar. And after it. Before yeah, many years yeah. after. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, what a great... God bless him. Yeah, yeah, God bless him. Uh, <laughs> just, um, just changed hands, as you know, I yeah, think, right? Yeah, Mid City Pizza Guys bought it. That's right, yeah. Mid City Pizza Guys have it, right? Interesting. It's going to see what, interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah. Some of those restaurants right after the storm, uh, like Slim Goodies, I want to say on magazine or whatever, where there, I mean, it seemed like there were some bootstrapping that 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 helped 
the rebuilding effort just oh. by being open and feeding people. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it was it was such a weird time because you could be in Mid City where I lived, and it was just utter desolation, right? I mean, yeah. it just did look like how is this ever going to happen? But then you could go two miles down the road, and not that it, nothing ever happened, but it it was functional, and that was. I knew people who were unaffected or you know marginally affected by the storm who felt guilty about it. I said, "Oh my God, no! You're the anchor. Like, if people right. going through the city and seeing all this devastation and despair, and then they can go into the French Quarter, which was you know largely spared, and walk into Molly's or walk into Portocol. Right. I mean, I, I ate a burger at Portocol like a month and a half after Katrina, right? right? Like, I, I mean, it was it, 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 it the dissonance was pretty extreme. Sure, it's pretty but, extreme, but yeah. it was it was comforting and. Uh, you know, one day in particular, uh, I can remember wa- I was meeting some friends. You know, like this New Orleans life was reasserting itself quickly. I, I live, um, I lived near off of Canal Street near Mandina's restaurant. Well, that took a long time to come back, but I was, I decided I was going to walk with a beer in hand and one in the pocket. This is a long walk uh, to meet some friends who <laughs> are having dinner, like, at, like you do, at, right, yeah. at Ralph's in the Park, uh, which is about a. I don't know, probably a mile and a half away from my house. And on the walk over there, I mean, I, I've I've got a jacket on now, you know. I've got a, you know, this is late fall. I've got a, like a sport coat on, and I'm going to a nice, nice restaurant. And this truck comes rumbling up behind me, a dually truck. And the window comes down, and the guy says, Brother, do you need a hot meal? And, he, you know, the, the sticker on the side of the truck had, had his church, whatever his church was. And he was here doing, you know, out, outreach mission work. Sure. God bless him for doing yeah. it. I said, no, sir, I'm um, actually walking to this restaurant over here, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to have a nice meal. I mean, that's how strange it was to be back there at that point. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was, but, but really, like the, um, for, for people who know Mid-City, like the, the Esplanade Ridge, Faubourg St. John area around there, that was, that was like going to town, you know, like, yeah. like where I lived in my house was all blacked out for months and months and you didn't see anything after dark and then you went over there and the restaurants were were lit up and people were gathering and they were drinking too much and it was it was i mean if there's anything that 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 showed you the role of, of restaurants and drawing communities together I mean, sure. it was on vivid display and bar rooms too and bar rooms absolutely the yeah. corner bar i mean some of them never really closed you know i remember I going know. to going to finn mccool's yes. around the corner of my house and uh you know they uh, the, they were no they were the only place back then I think that was playing you know overseas soccer games European soccer games right and, yeah and uh, they had clubs developed around fans who would watch it there well they, they they couldn't open for months and months and months the place was totally ruined but they found a way to to set up ice chests and and get a generator to run the TV off of somebody's computer or something and they were still showing the games and you'd you'd go down there and they're you know, it was FC Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got yeah. pub, but people yeah. were still convening around it in the yeah. way that they do. But uh, then, but then you go and you hear something when you're there, like, "Hey, did you hear about this five thousand dollars that you can get from American Red Cross or something like that?" And you're like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, I got the form today. I filled it out," or something like that. Right. Like, that's that kind of stuff happened or it's yeah. or like in the very earliest days like like did you hear like so and so's got power now i heard that they have blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. you'd hear this rumor mill i remember this very vividly because i would talk about it with matt johnson the guitar player um at mix bar and like during the day same thing like mix would have 
the ice chests and they would have maybe three different kinds of beer how are they even getting this i don't know because like the distribution is coming from saint rose i don't i don't know what the deal is but they got somehow they're like the distributors are like we're in the ice business now for like the next five to six (laughs) months or maybe 10 years you know and and that's how they got it and they were open during the day and at night maybe some places had candles right and you could go in no air conditioning anything but you can get a beer and you can meet up with some people and ask them like what the heck is going on man yeah well it was it was the uh, it was the old you know it was the old saloon the trading post of information and ideas, totally you know yeah you got to remember 2005 and now we're now i have to talk like an old timer here because it's back in 2005 facebook was just for college kids but it actually was you know like, right twitter didn't even exist no so, none like, of it did people were, t- were myspace yeah i mean there were you know there were these email chains and like people would start a blog and like collect all the information but the bars and the restaurants, I mean, they really served as these, like, uh, these hubs. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Social enclaves of, yeah. where people would shoot the shit and pass information. The NOLA.com neighborhood uh, threads. Yeah. You know, that threads. was another one. Yeah, 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 yeah right, the little yeah. threads. Well, but for, for somebody who was covering restaurants on a very, I, you know, I would say superficial level before then, to... to to be uh, to have a seat at the table of covering the culture as it was actually rebuilding itself, and people were determining like what it was going to be and expressing their va- their love and their value and anxiety over it. That was uh, highly formative for me. I mean, that that's when I discovered that I wasn't just writing about you know this delicious dish or, or this new hot place, but that there was there were these great stories behind it that that permeated the whole city. Yeah. If fast forward 13 years, yeah, 13 and you years. have a radio show called Where You Eat. Now. Where You Eat. Right. Yeah, that's on WWNO, the NPR affiliate here. And uh, that's fun. It's um, The more I do this podcast, the more I think maybe this is like, uh, this is a lot oh, more yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. I haven't had to stop and re-record anything. You know? uh, nope. That's what we were, we're always talking about that when we're finished doing the podcast, that this long format... And the openness and how uh, unstructured it is in a certain way yeah. uh, just allows people to tell the stories that they want to tell without time constraints. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of it. But I, I, I do I have to say I do love being on, on public radio because it does seem like, maybe this is the people I know, but it seems like everyone listens to it, right? Like everyone's sure. putting it on in their car. Sure. And uh, let's face it, there's a lot of bad news out there, and uh, especially lately. But when I get on, I get to talk about food, and yeah. you know, it's this this produced piece that I try to try to drop on people. It, I'm usually talking about things they know. You know, I'm not I'm not lifting the lid off of any amazing culinary revelations for New Orleans people. Uh, you know, sometimes we reveal new things, or new trends, or new places. But it's always in the context of like you live in the city where food matters, where we're talking about food, and you're listening. To this guy uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you've probably never met talk about food and you trust my recommendations or you're interested in what we're saying because it's that it's that that ever-present conversation and uh yeah, i have had a byline in, in new orleans for a long time in print and online but there's nothing like going on the radio and having people hear your voice uh and uh to, to have that kind of connection with people it's, it's really kind of cool um the, that people you know, I, I have it too. I mean, I listen to, I listen to the radio all the time, and the people that you hear who are, t- even people who are telling you about the traffic, <laughs> where they're coming up, like you feel like you know them a little bit. No, no, it's cool. And and it, it, look, if you're gonna get, be in a produced sort of format, 
uh, I think NPR is the where, place to be. You know, I mean, NPR produces great content that, I, as much as I love this format that we're doing now, which is, you know, kind of shiftless and shapeless, slate shapeless. Shiftless shif- and shapeless. <laughs> and that won't be edited? Grammarless? I, I, that I won't be edited, yeah. I, right. like, I like the produced pieces from NPR. Sure, well, you absolutely. Just, you just made up a word, right? So we're not allowed to do that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you would have to re-record that. <laughs> we, we get away from right. that. Right, yeah, we don't have to do that. Right, that's the beauty of the podcast format. Well, know? that was but the producer. Everything has its merits. Shapeless, shuffleish. <laughs> so, um, speaking of something that you kind of touched on there, yeah. but uh, we could elaborate on a little bit further and shifting gears a little bit. Shapelessly shifting What gears. is Shapelessly <laughs> and shiftlessly shifting. Schaefer said that. Um, so, what? what Schaefer Light, do we have some of that? What is on the cutting edge in New Orleans right now, uh, culinarily speaking? And who, who's taking ideas that are rooted in New Orleans culture and really uh, shape shifting them in ways that are like <laughs> spectacular? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is now is that you, you're seeing a lot more. Uh, Trends and and tastes and styles that really that start other places and they arrive here very quickly, a lot 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 faster than they ever did before. I mean, the knock on New Orleans always before was, well, the New Orleans food is great, but that's all you're going to get there. And you know, they got some sushi and they got some Mexican, they got some barbecue, but it's you know, make all everybody really wants to do is this New Orleans food and like god can we just get a deli what do we have to do to get a bagel right. around here right? right well that's all changed right we, we for as much as people are embracing like i think New Orleans regional stuff um, the, the openness of ideas the, the way that people can see things online and and the speed with which trends and, and styles travel now has meant that all of this stuff lands here a lot faster um, so like, you know, poke bowls were just something that people ordered at the sushi bar mispronounced, uh, <laughs> on their trips to LA right. a year right, or two right, ago. Right. And now there's like, well, take your pick. There's like, poke wars out there. Um, but that's, that's probably not what you mean. I mean, there's, there's, uh, I think it is interesting that we have a lot more diversity of flavors and it's interesting to see which ones play out, which ones people stick with. And, you know, people are curious. They want to like try these things out. I am too. I think it's great. I think it's uh, it, it it makes the the landscape pretty interesting when you can go and try not just one guy doing ramen, but find like you know three or four different places and who's sure. doing it their way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just like the one outpost, but like actually like like Ethiopian. Are, yeah, <laughs> people are following these things yeah. and kind of competing mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I to me it all goes back to where we are. Uh, we're in New Orleans. We're in Louisiana. We have a richness of heritage and food culture here that most other places would give their left arm to have. And while it's it's fun to uh, and enriching, not just fun, enriching to have all these other different culinary influences come in, what interests me the most is uh, ideas that take New Orleans and Louisiana roots and, and express them in different ways or... Mm-hmm. Or reconnect with what made them great to begin with. You know, in a lot of cases, stuff gets dumbed down or diluted through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, you can look at restaurants uh, on the very high end, like Brennan's, which was a place that, you know, had gone out of business, had died effectively, uh, that was recast by a different branch of the family, and is now doing, like, really contemporary upscale cuisine, uh, but it still feels New Orleans because the setting, because the place it's in, the, the, the style of sure. it. Sure. Uh, you know, it's terribly expensive and, 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 and hard to... Hard to access. It's not the kind of place that, that, that people are going to go all the time, but for a place that's like, ooh, this is, this is, you know, they're doing uh, the grand style of dining that New Orleans was famous for 50 years ago, but they're doing it for people's tastes and styles now, and they haven't lost the grand part of that. Right. But they've right. they've they've kind of transferred it to be like, well, you you can you can show, you know, you can put on the big show, uh, but it doesn't have to be. Stuck fifty years ago, either you know. So right, that, I think right. that's pretty interesting. Can uh, Can you give some maybe specific examples of like what they're doing over there at Brennan's? Yeah, I mean they'll take like okay, uh, steak Stanley was one of the classic dishes over there, which was a steak and bananas. <laughs> it yes, was, yes. You know, it was like flambéed bananas next to a steak. You're like <laughs> I don't know if this works. Uh, you know, it was like a weird thing, and. Uh, it, it was one of those. Well, I, I don't know. I probably have no standard of comparison. I guess this is interesting. It's good. It's that what they do here. Uh, well, now you know. There's this that version of the dish is a steak, where the bananas have been sort of turned into this subtly sweet, savory puree that's more of a sauce that goes along with it. It channels the essence of that idea, and uh, but look at the presentation is contemporary. You don't feel like you're eating a banana next to a steak, you know, but it takes the ideas and, and makes them interesting. Like right, that. right. Um, you know, there, there's no reason why why manchego cheese and serrano ham from Spain can't be part of what people talk about when they talk about the, the Creole cuisine because sure. the Spanish had so much to do with it. You're in a building that was built yeah, by the Spanish. Absolutely. You know? Right. Um, and they made it more accessible, frankly, because. Uh, before it was, you know, you went in, you did the breakfast at Brennan's, you paid a lot of money, you had a bunch of drinks, and, and you know, the breakfast was really the time to go. Well, now, uh, they've when they redid the place, the, the bar is uh, much more of a focal point. It's been totally redesigned, so now you can actually go in and just, yeah, maybe if you're not up for this lavish, expensive, long meal, you can go into the bar and have a drink and have a, you know, you can, you can eat at the bar if you want. But you can also have, you go in for their happy hour or get a small plate or something like that. You can you can access it in a way that, like, people of our generation and younger probably want to more. Um, duck in. Give it a look. It doesn't have to be a $100 hit, you know? Right. But yeah. you can right. still have access to this place. They have a cool happy hour. You know, like, all that stuff would have been... Happy hours, man, are, are, are great research resurgence in this town I think and you mentioned the Hyatt earlier I love going to Bourne because it's an easy accessible thing for me to afford good yeah. food yeah the restaurant happy hour is, is a great thing they've uh, they've been they've they've certainly caught on a few places really caught fire with them and, and a lot more restaurants have picked them up um, you know some of them do it better than others but but yeah if, if you can if you can abide by the by the schedule if you can get in early uh, and and do that up. I mean, I I'm, I recommend them all the time during the holidays when people are trying yeah. to get together, but like they actually have dinner plans already. But okay, well, what if we meet at four downtown? You know, and then we have to be at this thing at six. Well, perfect. You know, exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah it tends to be you know some of the bigger restaurants do a really really good job with them. Like the 
the, the Brennan's restaurants, the the, the Best Group restaurants. Sure. They've, they've made made those signatures. Um, but also, you know, it's surprising. Sometimes these little uh, little places you didn't see coming will do great ones. Uh, Margie's Grill, one of my new favorite restaurants oh, yeah. on Broad Street. Uh, you know, talk about, you know, I talked about a high-end version of people on the cutting edge. Well, Margie's Grill is, is uh, it, you know, it looks like a hole in the wall. It's super casual. You order at the counter at lunch. But I love what they're doing with, like, it tastes local. It tastes like tastes like the South. It's greens and okra and shrimp, but then they add all this Southeast Asian influence of you know, instead of barbecue sauce, it's uh, it's fish sauce. It's uh, fermented yeah. shrimp. It's right. chili peppers, and you know they'll do like a meat and three format, but with all those like verdant, crispy, crunchy, crackling flavors. Yeah. Uh, they do a good happy hour, which is my more roundabout way to get into that. Um, you know, oyster bars. We live in you know a place where you can get oysters for so cheap, and then at happy hour they're cheaper still. I mean, I bring people right. from out of town to some of yeah. these places, and they're like, "Wait, what? How, How does cheap this work? is this?" Like, don't worry, I'll get this one. You get the next place, okay? You know, because I know where we're going next. It's not gonna be as cheap. Yeah. How is this? <laughs> how is this twenty-five cent an oyster thing yeah. happening? Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. in D.C. or New York, I'm paying or Portland, sure. Oregon, paying three fifty an oyster. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. Easily. For a little one, yeah, for a little tiny thing. Yeah. That's what cheapskates call three figures. You know, they're, they're counting the decimal points afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. I like to keep my oysters two figures. <laughs> Ian, let me ask you, man. Um, Jazz Fest is coming up. Mm-hmm. What what's your go to is out there? Oh uh, yes, I think I know what you're getting at there. Uh, you probably don't want to hear my band picks, right? Yeah, I mean, people. Some people like they 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 have their day scheduled, which stages they're going to be at, and others. <laughs> Uh, we know what we're going to eat first. Uh-huh. Uh, so I always have a little different strategy. I mean, I, I, there's always a couple things that are that are new at Jazz Fest from the food front. Not a lot. They don't change much. But when, you know, of the 200 plus items out there, if they change four or five of them, it's like, oh, look, there's something different. Right. Wow, wow. Right. Yeah. Um, and for the record, I'm, I'm, I've come around that I'm glad they don't change it very much. I used to be. I used to sort of say, oh, well, God, it's always the same out there, mainly maybe because I was trying to write about it and how do you write about the same stuff every year. Sure. But I've come around to really appreciating that uh, because it's almost like holiday food, right? Like it, it comes around again and you know you're going to have your aunt's famous mashed potatoes or whatever. Yeah, you know you're going right. to have that Cochon de Lait right. Of course, you, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's right. It's just a matter yeah. of when and where, yeah, yeah. what time of day to avoid the line. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. not too hot. So when I go out there, when I go out there, I've got a, I've got a marching orders, and um, um, I want to try everything that's new. Uh, so new this year is a new vendor, Congresso Cubano, which uh, they did ah. a little, they did a like a, a smaller version last year at the Cultural Exchange tent. Which that's was, right, which was all about I, Cuba. Yeah, I covered them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so they're they're going to be back. They have, now they're in the the main food area. They're mm-hmm. in the, uh, food area. Who's, who's doing their cooking, by the way? Uh, there's a, uh, there's a, a trio of guys, um, Orlando Vega, Ricky, and Michael are all. Uh, uh, they're they're you know they, they they run it as a pop up around town. They do catering. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's them. They're they're they all work together on it. Um, but they've got a big team out there, of course, like all the all the the booths will. But they're doing uh, the Ropa Vega, you know, the braised beef. Right. Um, they're doing black beans. They're doing a, a dish that I got to try at one of their pop-ups, which they didn't have out there last year. It's the adobo pescado. It's a fried, in this case, redfish. It's wow. marinated Oof. in vinegar. And oh. the, the version I tried was really good. I mean, it wow. wasn't a jazz fest, so we'll see how they do out there. But uh-huh. the version I tried at their pop-up was delicious. And uh, it'll be, a good, I think, a nice new option. And 
here might be the sleeper item for them. They have these ice pops, these coffee ice pops yes. that have, yes. I'm told, the equivalent of a shot of espresso in each one. And so it's like, you know, your frozen coffee on a stick. And I've had one of those. Last year, they had them out there, too. I tried one, and 10 minutes later, I definitely felt like I'd had a shot of espresso. So it's Sweet. effective. That's delightful. Nice. Yeah. The other one to look for, as far as new stuff out there, is uh, Loretta's Authentic Pralines. She's been out there for a long, uh, long time. Uh-huh. She does, um, she's gotten pretty creative with her beignets. Yeah. Uh, she's, she stuffs with yes. crab meat. The crab meat beignet. Boy, right. it's delicious. That thing took off like wildfire <laughs> yeah at the end everyone was like where do you get that yep. yeah yeah it's good it's uh it's it's not the cheapest bite out no there. it's not i think you know it's not a lot of it but it's it's distinctive you know yes. and um it, to me it's like something you'd find at a at a you know modern southern brunch menu you know oh we take our beignets and we fill them with crab meat and like okay sure but you know at, at a right. festival you're exactly like, wow what is this well, she's got a new item out there this year. Um, she's doing kalas too. Ah, uh-huh. so okay. Traditional sweet, you know, powdered sugar ones. One with sweet potato, and then another with shrimp. So I'm super eager to try those kalas. As probably most of your listeners know, are the the rice fritters, similar yeah, to a beignet, right. but made out of right. rice, that's and right. flour, and uh-huh. and uh, like an old old Creole thing of like reusing the leftover rice. A long, interesting history in New Orleans of. Uh, Typically, African American ladies who would sell collars on the streets back in the colonial uh, antebellum days, even, um, and it was you know associated with the with the, the street vendors selling the pralines and the collars in the streets, and uh, whereas pralines stuck around forever, and beignets, our famous collars, uh, uh, almost went away. So, right, it's, it's rare to see them. So it's interesting that they're coming back to Jazz Fest. It should be should be interesting. That's great. And then the last new thing is Vacrasson uh, Sausage Company. We've been out there forever. They've been out there since the very first. The very first one. Jazz Fest, right? Yeah. They've got the next generation, the Sausage Scion, Vance Vacrasson. <laughs> right. there. He's got an alligator sausage this year. Uh, making po' boys out of that. And oh, man. he told me in a recent interview that they're making a platter. Uh, you can sample all of the different sausages. The hot sausage, the alligator sausage, the crawfish sausage, without the bread, for people who don't want bread or just want to sample around, the, around the, the whole inventory of sausage out there. Uh, so he's calling it the gateway plate. because <laughs> That is, look, folks, if you're uh, out there, get the you need to get the gateway plate. Yeah, the gateway yeah. plate. Yeah. And, and hope it leads you down some rabbit holes. Yes, yes, yes. Beyond just that plate. But if we're talking about the stuff that I always keep on going back to, the crawfish bisque from uh, from Little Dizzy's out there, I think is terrific. Mm-hmm. I love that gumbo, that Prejean's gumbo. I mean, yeah. there's some good gumbos in this Is that town. the pheasant quail yeah. gumbo? Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually yeah, talked that's to a, terrific. a friend of mine who, who she'll remain nameless, but she admitted that even though she doesn't eat meat, she always gets that gumbo <laughs> yes. and eats around the meat. <laughs> Just has the roux because, of course, you know, no meat in that at all. Right. right? Yeah. That's right. like I'm a vegetarian. I'm just pepperoni because it's on pizza <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. exactly yeah so uh that one's always on the list which is funny right that's such a jazz fest thing it's right it's gonna be hot out there and dusty and then you're like mm, just a big mouth coating bowl of dark country gumbo like totally. yeah right <laughs> it seems right. like the opposite you sure know, this is, yeah this is like anti-coachella food you know? that's this when is, you're excited is... that it's like a little maybe rainy yeah you know? oh yeah you yeah. know the sun yeah. beating down but on it's you. just so tasty you know so i tasty. mean how do you how do you deny it 
You don't. You don't. Right. Here's one that I really like too. I don't know if, if as many people like it as I do, but I, I have a sweet spot in my heart for this one. It's the the duck pasta. It's duck ah. debris and shrimp over the radiatory pasta, which is the radiator-shaped yeah. pasta, which mm-hmm. is kind mm-hmm. of a, to me, always a cool, like, radiators, music band kind of connection <laughs> with it. Right? But it holds the sauce really well in that shape. Yeah. It almost looks like an accordion, right? Which is another kind of cool musical yeah. internet interconnection there. Um, but I really like that a lot. It's like this debris, gravy-soaked duck. Yeah. Shrimp in there. It's just different, you know? It's, yeah. uh, it's another one of those... Like if you're, it, it's sort of like in the craw, the crawfish Monica school of dishes, but yeah. never read on it. Oh my, oh my, there's so many. I mean, it's there's so many beautiful puppies out there in the sure. yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. of jazz fest food. How about you guys? Do you have a favorite? Uh, the crab cake with the uh, smoked tomato uh, sauce. That's yeah. a nice one. Yeah, the smoked tomato sauce does it. Always have to get that. I think that's the signature item there. They have the what uh, it, it's a almond. Or a meniere that oh, they right. do mm-hmm. with the catfish, you know, oh, and God, I mean, which so is good. which is good. It's great, and they also do the uh, the seafood. They do the Milton casserole, yeah, there as well. But to me, the fish is the fish is great. Don't get me wrong, but that crab cake, man, with the smoked right. tomato sauce is is to me terrific. And that's a good space in terms of like not being in line. In a line for a long time, mm. you know, you can oh, get that food pretty accessibly. Yeah, I mean, day any time of day, it's too deep, you know, if yeah. zero deep, right? Kind of thing, which is unfortunate because every time, every year, I push that, and I'm like, you just got to try this. You just got to try it. It's great, you know. And I think that they've gotten, you know, at least twenty visits, you know, just on <laughs> just my recommendations. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So that uh, that smoked 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 tomato uh, sauce there that that's interesting. What I, what I love about Jazz Fest is these sauces too. You know, it's not just like this grab and go. You know, hunk of festival food, stadium food kind of stuff. But it really feels like home cooking sometimes. Oh, totally. sure. Like these, these plate lunch kind of things. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. One year I had a little fun with it though. I decided, you know, like we were talking about, okay, if it doesn't change all that much. Well, I was going to change some stuff. I decided I was going to do match? some oh. mashups. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. What did so you come up with? This was, you know, I had, there were some disasters for sure. <laughs> Cracklin goes with most things. It doesn't go with everything. It doesn't go with everything. And, you know, to be sure, I was going for some extreme examples. I just wanted to see how far I could take it. But I, pay dirt on the first one was get a bag of Cracklin, get that Cochon de po' boy. Sprinkle some crackling over the Cachandale Po' Boy. Whew. Sweet weeping Jesus. My oh, man. man. That is good. Wow. That is good. You think that Po' Boy is good on its own? Add that crunch, that crackling crunch. Wow. Um, another yeah. of the greatest hits in that area was... I'm actually kind of proud of this crossover because I, really, I had to really stretch the imagination on this one. But boudin balls. Yep. Love those food and animals. Yep, yep. You go to the kids' tent area. They've got their uh-huh. own food over there. Oh, it's yeah, cheap. yeah. What do they got? Grilled cheese sandwich. Oh. oh open up the grilled cheese sandwich. Put the boudin stuff ball it right in, there. in the grilled cheese sandwich. Smash it down. It's like that Whoa. when you were a kid, you took the white bread with Whoa. potato chips and made yourself a sandwich. Exactly. It's, it's not like that, chips. but with cheese. It's boudin. But it's boudin. But it's boudin. Yeah. Fried. That is wow. something I'm going to try. That was I am going to do that. <laughs> They're yes. really good. They're really yeah. good. Uh, last year, I probably jumped the shark on it. Um, I ended up getting a uh, soft shell crab po' boy, the whole soft shell crab, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. arms sticking out and everything. And then right next door is the sushi stand, is the ninja sushi booth. Oh. They have a crab stick and cucumber salad. 
So I took the crab stick and cucumber salad and put it over the soft shell crab. Whoa. And that then used so the sriracha. Sense. Whoa. So that's a little dry. Ooh. Yeah. It's, 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 the, that reputation, that's Ooh. a little overstated, that, that, that po' boy, in terms of the popularity. It's crazy popular. The way you the way you doctored it up makes a lot of sense. Now this was this ended up being about a twenty dollar point by totally. the end of it because yeah. you're taking two sure. dishes and putting them together. Yeah. But man, if you're out there, That's YOLO. So you know, I mean, the, the, it was YOLO. It turned yeah. heads. It turned heads, uh, especially when they saw what I, you know, how, how I ate it. But oh, that's that, amazing. It was delicious. I mean, you had the the briny crunch of the soft shell crab, and then. The creaminess of the you know, fake crab stick, which is fish, and the, the the cucumbers, and oh, there was the the tobiko, the roe, the uh, yeah, yeah. the crunchy oh, pops yep, of the yep, orange yep. Uh-huh. Uh, fish eggs, and then the hot sriracha sauce. It's fantastic. I'm so hungry right now. Wow. I, I actually have <laughs> kind of in, in my fridge. Oh. Do you? And I'm gonna heat them up, and I'm gonna get out a box of Annie's macaroni and cheese Ooh. when I get home. Whoa! And that's what I'm gonna make like 20 minutes from now. You know what, Joel? That's what makes this that's what makes talking food worthwhile. You well, know, I mean, that, that, that this we is... could inspire that dinner. For you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is the first time that I've heard anybody really uh, throw down on the mashup idea. Yeah, you know, I love. I don't know it. if li- little homie Ivan touched on that before. I, I think that he has something that he does with the uh, with the cochon de lait po boy. That he, you know, I like he goes. He's, Drinks four shots of vodka and eats the po' boy. <laughs> no, I think he, I think he gets like the sauce from next door or oh, something he might like do that. that. Puts yeah. it on there. Right. I don't know what you know. Right. Something he does a mashup. Here. Yeah, he does some kind of mashup. But I've never heard yeah. this like theory being thrown down the way we're talking. Well, right this now. is a, yeah. I I you know that's or application. That's of pretty high minded. I think you know. <laughs> well, exactly. Then, if you're, yeah. if you're, if your inspired. listeners are curious, I'm inspired. Or if you're curious, and you, you can see our we, we have we did the story. Last year, but I've, you know we, we we roll it out again uh, for Jazz Fest time to inspire people. So it, it's on NewOrleansAdvocate.com. You can find it. In oh, you wrote about your mashup? Yeah, yeah, I did oh, a story that's great, on man. lots of photos. So it's out lots in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's out there. What I love about having a media personality on the podcast is you guys have the segues on lockdown, so <laughs> we don't have to do a lot over here at Jeff and Jill's Tales from New Orleans. That's right. Um, and if you subscribe and to the paper now, you can get it home delivered. So, exactly. So what other what other plugs do you have? Because we're probably at plug time, right, Jeff? Yeah, we're Maybe. getting we're getting close. We're getting close. Yeah, for we're, sure. Am I jumping the... Am I getting, no, we're at plug time. We're at plug time. Yeah, probably. for sure. Can yep. I plug my book? Uh, please. please. Yes. It's a few years old, but we were talking about Katrina a lot. So this is a book I wrote about coming back after Katrina. There were a lot of books about about surviving Katrina and what happened and the dysfunction of all the government meetings and stuff. Well, that that wasn't my experience. My experience was coming back home to this devastated but surreal city of a lot of pain but also a lot of joy of coming back home, a lot of questions, a lot of just, it was so unusual and fascinating. Um, so I wrote a book about just the experiences of coming back during that period. So the first six months after Katrina from basically when it hit to that first Mardi Gras, which I think was cathartic for a lot of people who were here. It's called The Season of Night, and uh, it's put in bookstores and Amazon and your library. So um, if you're interested in uh, in some of the stories that you've heard us talking about, I explore a lot of them in there, especially about the food and drink. Folks, oh, uh, yeah, if you're on Amazon, go and uh, get The Season of Night by Ian McNulty. Yeah. And uh, anything else that you want to plug? Uh, any other projects coming up? You working on any other books? Um, no, no, no books at the moment. Uh, just wrapped up a big project for the Advocate, uh, our annual dining guide, where I try to 
distill uh, 100 recommended restaurants, 100 like you know top restaurants, uh, which is um, a joyful if vexing task. Yeah, hundred sounds like a lot. Then you start thinking about oh, a couple of Mexican places. Oh, I really like these places over That's here. Right. Geographic diversity, price range. Sure. And this time around, uh, to come full circle to what we first started talking about, um, you know, I've done a number of these dining guides for the paper through the years. I wanted it every year. I was a little disappointed in myself because I didn't have some of the places that I really do rely on. In it, you know, I was recommending these restaurants that I believe in and wholeheartedly would recommend, uh, but there was always like some places were were missing because I didn't really have a spot for them. For instance, McHardy's Chicken and Fish, oh, yeah. which sure. is like yeah. one of my right favorite places yes. in the entire city. Right. Well, it's, a, it's a counter; it's not a restaurant. Right. But I decided for this go around, I'm going to expand the idea of restaurant to be about great food. Now, it doesn't. At the same time, I'm covering. The big restaurant, Brennan's, that we talked about is in there. At sure, the high end. sure. But I found a way to get McCarty's in there, too, to get some markets awesome. that I really like, some little takeout joints, sure. some little surprise finds. Yeah, that's great, man. I think that's great. more of the pops, you know. Yeah. Um, Diving deep. So I had to cut some places that I usually do recommend, and I still would recommend them. But to, to have this this 100, it's sort of like this. Okay, if I want to just hand somebody this and say, this is why I love eating in New Orleans and writing about it and talking about All right. it. Right. This is a this is a hundred reasons. Well, it needs why. to be diverse, right? Yeah. As opposed to those hundred, those elegant dining experiences or whatever. Yeah. No, those are in there because we need them. Those exactly, are, those are no, but not yeah. just those. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah. but street food. And, Sometimes and, we eat in your car, and if you eat in your right. car, it can be good if you go to the right place. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and sometimes you go to Pals on Friday. Ah, yes. To have the Thai pop up. Well, that's, that's over there. Yeah. Definitely. See, I didn't I didn't get pop ups in there, but that that'll be another area of coverage for sure. Pop-ups are by their nature a little hard to to predict, but uh, but Pal's Lounge has been fantastic. That's been a pop-up incubator. It really has been. Yes. And, uh, it's been yes. and yeah, that Taiwan is is great. That's uh, it's really good. Yeah, that's up there. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. It's yeah. insanely good. I, I, it's insanely good. It's and the and then before that, Pad Thai I've had. The reason why I asked about who did the Cuban uh, thing at the Jazz Fest is because the woman that did the tacos there last year for a while. Um, was there working when I videotaped at the Cuban booth at the Jazz Fest. And I saw her and I said, hi. And whenever I see her, I lament the fact that she's not doing the tacos at Pals anymore because for a while, and I was pushing it on the podcast, I remember. that I was like, these are, these are the best tacos in You're New Orleans. You're going to get. Hmm. And, and people can believe that because they don't think about, well, first of all, they, they can't wrap their heads around what a pop-up is sometimes. True. But... Also, um, when they finally do, it's like peop- there's a stigma attached to bar food, and there doesn't have to be. That's right. And, and that stigma is really kind of, I think, rapidly going away mm-hmm. because people like yourself are writing positive things about it, but also people just talk about it because the food is great sometimes. It's not always good. Yeah. It's not always good. But these, were, these tacos were, un- they were amazingly it's great, it's great good. great food, and it's accessible. Yeah. And the Thai food over there <laughs> is just living paycheck to paycheck man it's hard to have food that is elevated sometimes but i think what we're finding in this town is increasingly like what you're saying yeah there's really good food that's accessible now financially and right down the street in New Orleans, yes. neighborhood bar lately has not had a great street food culture right of like it doesn't you know we have these delis and, and things like this but it, we don't have um we don't have a big food vendor 
culture or like you know we don't have the density of these other cities where like yes you, you, you I understand what you're saying on the second line yeah yeah on the second line yes at temp- temporarily you yeah. do have the, the density yeah where the t- second line is you have the density but That's like right. as far as you know you travel to some other cities and like there's just a guy who all day long all he does is this one food item bang bang, bang yeah bang, yeah yeah that's, that's right like, that's we don't right. Have, we don't really have that because we don't have like the downtown density exactly that it takes true for like you know Absolutely. 500 people are going to walk by this hour and five I, of them want this thing and that's enough right that's exactly. right that's right but with pop-ups you you kind of have this food culture and and you know around the bar you do have that density of people who are eating and drinking and want to do that that's so right it kind of it, it, in a way it's like it's creating its own sort of food Food, street food culture, which I, I appreciate, and I, uh, as someone who also likes to spend time at some bars, <laughs> appreciate the fact that there's really good food there. That's I mean, right. you, uh, again, to put on the speaking old man of, voice, well, speak, I mean, you remember when it was just of mashups? Yeah, you, you were lucky to get food. zaps, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah right. That's like, right. How yeah. far can we go on boiled eggs here? You know, <laughs> <laughs> the pickled egg. Yeah, but now, uh, yeah, now, gosh, pad thai and good sliders. And, mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, Ian, we want to thank you for being on the show. Thanks for coming out, man. Uh, thank uh, you, appreciate man. it. Wow, those four hours flew past. <laughs> yeah, you were just really fast. I look was forward to seeing you out at the fairgrounds. This oh, weekend. it's fun. Yeah, no, I love talking about food, and uh, you know the conversation continues. So, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you back on sometime. Absolutely, I'll eat some more stuff and get some more tales to tell. Sweet. And folks, it's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's tales from New Orleans. Egg Yolk Jubilee will be at the Circle Bar for our nighttime. Uh, Jazz Fest show this Saturday coming up. And uh, Joel, you got anything that you need to plug before we park cars at the Maison de Ville? That's right. Uh, He'll be here, folks. If you need a parking spot, just uh, pull up on Laparoos here. Joel will be out there with his friendly face, and he'll guide you in. You know, especially if you got a uh, car full of kids right. in there, and you're a beleaguered parent. Uh, this is the place where you want to be. Hey, someone's got to, someone's got to pay for daddy's little lap dance. Saying goes. Okay. All right, folks. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's tales from New Orleans. Tune in next time. Uh, we'll see you then. Hey, right.